Okay, I want to fight the urge to say we're recording because every time <laughs> we get on here, we're like, it's recording. Here we go. Oh my get gosh, it together that's so quick. Funny. Oh my gosh, guys, we're episode five. This is exciting. Very exciting. Five sounds cool. It does. It's like we made it to a milestone. It's like the yeah, first yeah. milestone, you know? Five is like a little anniversary. Yes. Like, I feel like we should, like, <laughs> celebrate. Episode five. Okay, so episode four is my favorite thus far. So if you have not listened to episode four, that was a fantastic episode to record, to listen to. I listened back to it. Go check out episode four. But episode five, I think, is going to be what we're about to share is more personal. And it's we're going to get a little deeper today. Yes. So a little bit of a warning for anyone. If you don't want to hear a little bit about our personal lives, skip over us. But I think you will because a lot of what happens in those nitty gritty, darker times, you know, things like that, that's where things can come out of it that are powerful and strong. And the reason why we have all these like tools now is because of these times we didn't just wake up and have a nighttime routine like that didn't happen overnight. So stick around with us if you want to hear um, a little bit of these stories. We're basically sharing our stories and how both of us kind of went from all or nothing mentality to living in a balanced lifestyle. Yes, definitely. And by no means are we there, you know, no. we're never there. Um, it's always a work in progress, but mm-hmm. we've been through, you know, there's been a lot of work that has went into this. Yeah. So we want to kind of go back and give you guys the backstory of like where all of this kind of came from, mm-hmm. you know, because we don't just, you don't like you said, you don't just wake up and be like, oh, I'm going to do a nighttime routine today. Like yeah. that's not how it goes. So no. we understand that like you probably have a story listening too. Yes. And it's important that like, like things like this that we're going to talk about, they don't get shared often. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the taboo topics, you know? Yes. It's, these are the things that need to be shared. So that way we all feel like we're not alone. This is so that it helps and it's more real. No one wants to hear a, just like a fluffy, beautiful lifestyle. That's boring. No one wants to hear about that. They want to hear, how did you get there? How did you create this life for yourself? And I just want to say too, because I feel like I should put a little warning on, I'm going to go a little more in depth with some of my like disordered eating things and stuff like that. So things are just going to get a little more um, personal. So just fair warning for anyone who struggles with um, having an eating disorder, any disordered eating. I just wanted to make sure I said that because yeah, absolutely. it comes up yeah. in my story. So yeah. Okay. And it's important to share. And if you're ready to, you know, hear someone else's story, here we go. <laughs> here we go. So where should we start? We don't need to get too personal right away. First, I'm curious and just like a sentence or two, tell me what were you like as a kid? What was little Maggie like? Oh my gosh. I was, okay. So I feel like we're in therapy now. <laughs> little Maggie, like I always go back to kindergarten because I feel like this explains me perfectly. Like I always had to wear a dress or a matching outfit. If someone, <laughs> if I bought clothes that were together, they had to go together and that was it. Like oh my God. no straying Stop. from that. Um, and yeah, like I could not just wear like a shirt and a pants that were not an outfit. Oh my gosh. I wanted so to be all the or nothing for you was started young. I wanted to be the principal because they were the boss of all of the teachers. Oh my I wanted, gosh. You know, like, yeah, it started really young. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. What about this you? This is amazing. The funny part is that I didn't start all or nothing. I actually started full free spirit. And that's who I think I really truly am is this free spirit inside. But I try and control things, which you'll see later in my story. Anyways, little Megan was not. I was a free spirit. I would come home every day and put on like a swimsuit, like a bikini in the middle of the winter. <laughs> and I would sing the song Soak Up the Sun by Cheryl Crow. I think that's who sang it. And I would just dance around and perform. And I was just like a free bubbly child. That's That's fantastic. One season of it, of course. My parents then got divorced. Things, you know, happened during that time. And hence why a lot of, I think, control all or nothing things can come up for you. Not just because of that, but then things happen. But as a child in my like earliest days, total free spirit. Yeah. That's so beautiful that you remember that. I feel like for me, I don't remember that phase of my life. And I feel like every child has that phase regardless of how short it is. You know what I mean? And for me, it was so short-lived. I can't even remember it. So like a lot of the work I'm doing now is like trying to find that inner like free spirited person that I believe that all of us truly are, right? Your inner child. Yeah. You know, all of these, um, 
like controlling tactics and like the all or nothing. I don't feel like that's inherently who we are. Like, even if we believe we're like a type A personality, I feel like it's learned, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. it's like a coping mechanism for something else. For sure. So for me, like, I, I wish I could remember that. Like, I wish I could remember being like the child who didn't have to worry, you know, the child Mm -hmm. who like didn't want to have to be perfect. That light energy. I can't even remember myself like that. And isn't it crazy now you're talking on a topic that's um, a little more like therapy-esque, but your inner child, and sometimes you have to go back and heal that inner child before you can work on things as an adult, which is such a weird concept, but it's so helpful. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, yeah. I do work on this every single day, and I have been for a few years, and that's the biggest struggle for me is that I can't remember, like, the happy child before, like, Mm -hmm. all the crap, you know? And so it's... Like, that's definitely the biggest struggle for me of, like, now trying to figure out who I am yeah. because I, like, don't have anything to reference. You miss some of those formative years. And then it's yeah. like, okay, where do we go from here? What was I naturally supposed to be like? I love mm-hmm. that. But I also love that little Maggie was determined and headstrong and, you know, you knew what you wanted. And there's something to say for that, too. Yeah, there definitely are positive things that come out of those, you know, personality traits of and whatnot. And some of them definitely are just who I am, you know, like I want things a certain way. Like I, you know, know what I want for the most part. But then also it's like, okay, where does that, where did that cross the line into like taking away from all the other good parts of life, you yes. know? And what's funny is I still sometimes mismatch my clothes. Do you still <laughs> match your clothes perfectly every day? Yes. I feel like I should have that skill, but sometimes like uh, if it's like a weekend, I'm going to grocery store. I'll look down at myself and I've got like, you know, blue leggings on with like a hot pink sweatshirt. Like sometimes I just think it's okay. And it's probably my inner child trying to come out. Still, yeah. I, I still struggle with that. I struggle with not matching. No, no, you should match now. No, no, I'm not doing it right by any means. I'm not, but I'm not. <laughs> but that's a, that's a good point because it's like, I feel like that's, you know, a, just an example of all or nothing. Like, why do we have to match 24 seven? Why I do know. I have to match 24 seven? Do your socks match? Always. Always your socks too. Okay. Yeah. Like I even have like, I have two different sets of like Nike black regular socks and one of them have a little lip on the oh, front no. and yes. the other ones don't and like if they're not right it's not good yeah <laughs> did good. you have you remember as a kid when you had like your monday socks or your tuesday socks or your wednesday socks did you ever get a pair of those i think i had them but i didn't i didn't like it because if they weren't clean on the right day then you know it wasn't good <laughs> <laughs> you'd be like screaming at your parents yeah so you know i like vividly remember digging through a laundry basket, looking for a pair of pants. They were like maroon with flowers on them because I wanted to wear the shirt that was maroon with the flowers on it. And I needed the pants. Like I can vividly remember. That is hysterical. Okay. So you all know little us now. When did you start to realize, and I feel like a lot of it, at least for me, it's formed in my um, teenage years, the all or nothing. I don't think I was supposed to be in all or nothing. Um, Let's first clarify what all or nothing means to us because people may not even know that they have some of these perfectionist type A tendencies that can really be harmful sometimes. Sometimes they're great. They're a motivator. They're kind of like, if you talk about the self and the manager, like if we want to go with those types of terms, it's helpful. A lot of times if you're type A or all or nothing or very headstrong in those ways with some perfectionist tendencies, you're typically successful in terms of you've usually got a stable job. You usually are very determined to have um, a successful income. You are motivated to get things done. You're very responsible, uh, respectful typically because you want to be liked. Like there's a lot of great things that come with this, but there's also some really negatives. So mine, I think, formed in my teenage years. And that's when I started to take the, well, if it's not perfect, then whatever, it may as well be awful. Like I went that black and white thinking, um, mainly through food, which we'll get into and it kind of can spill over into other parts, but I don't think I was supposed to be like that. Like my natural progression as a child and as a person, I don't, it's not for me, but it's a way to control a situation when I feel out of control and it can be really dangerous. When do you think, like, what does that mean to you all or nothing? Yeah. So the all or nothing mentality, like, of course, the first thing that comes to my mind is like exercise or diet related because Mm -hmm. that's what I teach. Right. And so if we use that example, it'd be like, okay, I'm going to start working out and I'm going to work out for an hour every single day. 
And then when you miss a day, you stop for six weeks or six months or six years, you know, Amen. like that's mm-hmm. like that all or nothing mentality where it's like, I'm going to go, 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 go. And then you mess up and it's over, you know, oh, same well. thing with food. Yeah. And for me, those areas of my life weren't necessarily the areas where I struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, it came in other areas, you know, where it's like, um, and for me, it was more of the it has to be perfect and it has to be all and like nothing is not an option, which is interesting. Like I yes. really, really struggled with letting go and like not doing something. Like if mm-hmm. I didn't do something perfectly, I just like kept doing it until it was done. Like it, what, there was no nothing. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you said those things like, you know, people who are type A, like headstrong, things like that typically want like a stable job and all of those types of things, you know, the income. And it's, it's going back to like feeling like that's not for you. I feel like that's not who I am as a person. I'm an entrepreneur. I do not have a stable job. I do not have a stable income. I could not, like, I did not do well working for other people, like in those stable environments. Like I had the sales job in New York city with the income and all that stuff. And like, it just wasn't for me. And I am much more like free spirit, free spirited and like want to let things go. And it's so interesting now to be able to like find, I'm like finding myself, mm-hmm. you know, that sounds like so cliche, but it's so but like, beautiful. Actually, like, yes. I'm not this person who needs to control everything. I'm actually not. Mm-hmm. And I like, can't remember myself before I was that person c- trying mm-hmm. to control everything. So now it's like, oh my gosh. What, what's going on? Yes. Like, how do it I, can like, become your this? crutch. Mm-hmm. And if you want to go now, this is where I'm going to come in with my more psych lens, because that's my profession in that a lot of times when people pick up these crutches or these agents to numb out or to cope really is what you're trying to do. It's because something else is not going Um, I don't want to say right, but a lot of times something needs to be moved around. So I always think of um, Erickson's developmental theory. So the first one, right? I think it's zero to two years is trust versus mistrust. Can I trust the world? Will the world take care of me? Am I going to be okay? Those are some of the formative things. The next one I believe is shame and autonomy and doubt. Like there's different stages um, that I think are really helpful to, if you missed any of those things, you may need to go back as an adult and figure out what you missed. And you guys can Google it. I don't remember it off the top of my head, all the stages perfectly. I don't want to mess it up, but I'm going to have to Google that. Yeah. It's fascinating. And it's fascinating to think about that all these stages kind of go on top of each other. And if something's missed along the way, we pick up different things to cope and to try to make ourselves feel whole and to feel okay. So for you, I'm not saying there was something missing in your life or anything like that, but for oh, I'm some- saying there probably was. Yeah. Like, okay. I don't want to put words in your mouth. You no, know? yeah. But something, sometimes you pick up and you gravitate towards something to make yourself be okay. Mm-hmm. And it's really common amongst kids and it comes with you as an adult if you don't heal. If you don't go back and do that work, you have no idea how many times I sat with my therapist because I'm a big proponent for myself as well. Um, and I held a little picture of myself, little Megan. I had a little picture of little Megan and I had to talk to her and mm-hmm. I had to tell her she was okay. She was safe. She was beautiful. Um, all these things that I didn't do as a kid or as a teenager and I did um, I was horrible to myself when I was a teenager specifically, and we'll get into that. Um, but that's what happens. You pick up coping skills and you at some point probably felt the need to control, hence where that came from when it probably wasn't natural. Yep. Absolutely. I, I feel that. And it's now we're like, okay, release the control, release the control and trying to, Mm -hmm. you know, bring in these new things that allow me to do that, you know? Yeah. And it does feel unnatural, but it feels better, Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, with the all or nothing mentality, it's very much been present in my life. Um, Like I said, more of like the everything has to be done perfectly for that control aspect. Um, Not so much about the nothing, but with my clients all the time, I see it all. It's common. So What do you think, let's get into it because the most people listening to this, the majority of them, I believe if they do experience all or nothing, a lot of times they're going to see it in their food and diet and body and Mm -hmm. body image and things like that. So can you give me a little example of what you'll see typically with a client around like nutrition and movement with the all or nothing, like uh, framework and see if anybody is listening to this like and relates, I think that'll be really helpful. 
Yeah, totally. So here's what typically happens is someone will come to me and, or even if they're not coming to me and just hear conversations, people, these are the things that come out all the time, right? Where it's like, okay, I need to lose weight. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the gym for two hours at 5 a.m. every single day. And I'm going to, you know, whatever they work out there, say they're going to do, and they're not going to eat any sugar or any carbs or any fast food. And they're going to, you know, lose 20 pounds in two weeks Mm -hmm. and their whole life is going to change. And this is what happens. Right. And this is not anyone's fault. Society has taught us that this is what we should do. Right. Mm -hmm. If you think those things, that's not your fault. You learned that somewhere. So step number one, don't beat yourself up for feeling that way. Right. Or thinking those things or thinking, Oh my gosh, I'm wrong. Like she's telling me I'm wrong. Everything I thought is wrong. It is. However, it's not right. Because It's what you learned. Yes. So give yourself some grace. It's okay. You know what I mean? We all need to learn new things in order to grow, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want to make a change, that's typically what happens. So people come to me with those goals and I will say, okay, you want to lose 20 pounds. Fantastic. Here's what we need to do, right? Mm -hmm. These methods of going to the gym every single day, cutting out all of these food groups, it's not going to work because what happens when you miss a day at the gym? What happens when your coworkers bring in a cake for someone's birthday? What happens when you didn't go grocery shopping and now you have to go get dinner out, right? Mm -hmm. What happens in those situations? And what happens is that we stop. You said, oh, I fell off the wagon. I messed up. I had the cake. Now I may as well have pizza for dinner and I may as well also have alcohol. So I sleep like crap and I don't wake up at 5 a.m. to go to the gym and then oh well we'll start next we'll start next Monday exactly we'll start Mm -hmm. again on Monday and this is what happens right so if you find yourself in those situations that's okay you listening to this and becoming aware of it is the first step right we have to become aware of what we do um, in order to change it right so what we want to do instead is break down that goal and the steps into much more manageable things, right? You want to think of it like, okay, you're here on one end. Your goal is all the way over there. We can't jump that whole spread, right? So we need to start close to you, make a little jump, make a little jump, make a little Mm -hmm. jump, have habits that build upon each other. So that way we can eventually, you know, get to that goal. But if you say you're going to go to the gym every day and you're going to cut out all carbs and sugar and all this stuff, you're going to fail. It's all or nothing. It's all, it's Mm -hmm. everything. And then nothing until you decide to start again, which typically, at least for me, and the only reason why I'm agreeing with this so heavily is because this was me not too long ago, about three, well, all of my teenage years and then all of college. At the Mm -hmm. end of college, things got really bad. Um, So let me give a little bit of my story then, because who Maggie is describing was me to a T, sometimes more extreme than that even. Um, So anyone that's listening, it's like, oh, you know, they don't understand. Believe me. (laughs) If Maggie didn't have as intense of a journey with it. I'm sure she had it in other areas. That was mine. Um, And so for me, let's just give a little bit of my story. So high school and as a kid, I was always tall. I'm a tall person. I'm 5'9 now. I am tall. I'm 5'9. And as a kid, I hated it. I hated it. I would slouch. I would purposely try and like, like make myself look smaller. I hated being bigger than everyone. I didn't want to feel like that. And the crazy part was, is that I just always thought I was big kid, big kid, big kid. And I look back at pictures and I was not. I was a beautiful little child who had a little tiny, I don't know, chubbiness, maybe baby fat. I ran around around like a maniac like there was there are children who I understand if they are struggling with their weight and stuff it is hard to do those things but that was not my story I it was my head it was not a real thing I was able to run and play and jump and do all the things but I was tall and I wanted to shrink myself so badly and that kept going into my teenage years with um people in my class all a lot of the girls were shorter and a lot of the guys were still shorter and I just felt like this giant sticking out and all I wanted to do was shrink and that evolved and it got worse and it got worse and it kind of spiraled into this really negative body image and the craziest part was is that I'm a master at fake it till you make it. So Mm -hmm. in high school, I got that skill. I looked confident and anyone who knew me in high school, unless you really knew me, um, I probably appeared confident and happy and all the things, but inside I was struggling and I didn't know what to do. So about ninth grade, I think it was, what, what did I do? I got on a diet. 
my first real diet, right? I had already dabbled when I was a little bit younger, which is so sad to think about. Um, but in ninth grade, I got on my first one. And the diet that was given to me was a calorie deficit, um, cutting out a lot of food groups, no carbs after 4 p.m., like a lot of really restrictive language, um, which worked. And I dropped, I don't know, maybe 30 pounds and I looked thin for my frame. Like that was thin for me. Kept mm -hmm. going, kept going, kept going. My senior year in high school, I look back at pictures and I was thin for me. So I say that because I'm naturally a curvy, um, strong build. Mm -hmm. And I didn't look that way. Like, and the reason why is because I did restrict and I worked out like crazy and all these things. Um, but what happens after you do that is you get praise. People, you look amazing. You look beautiful. You look stunning. All these things. And people before that, even, um, I had a friend once who said to me, she was one of my best friends. Um, we're not friends anymore, not because of this, but just, you know, you move on and whatever. But this is something I really want to say. When you say things to people, here I am, I don't know how many years now, eight years later, and a friend of mine said, you would be the most beautiful girl in this school if you were just thinner. Oh my gosh. Isn't that wild? I like think about it. I want to like take a moment. These words that people can say to you can stay with you. And it stayed with me. And I was like, wow, she thinks I'm that beautiful. My body's just wrong. That's what I internalized for years and years. And so it got worse in college. The dieting became more intense, more restrictive. The exercising was kicked up a notch. I could afford to pay for classes and workouts and saunas. Like I would try and sweat everything out of my body to the point where it was not healthy. I love a good sauna nowadays, but not for the point of punishment. And I did that and it eventually turned into when each diet failed and failed and failed because that's what happens. You do these restrictive diets, they work and then you fail and then you crash and then it's like a bow and arrow effect. Mm -hmm. That is something that Jessie Jean, who I'm going to reference her because she helped me um, heal my relationship with food. She is more in the binge eating world. So she specifically focuses on those things. And she coined it for me with the bow and arrow effect. The tighter you pull, the further you're going to launch out of control. Mm. That's what happened to me in college. I eventually began to purge. So when I would binge and I would eat too much food, the guilt that sat inside of me, I had to get it out. And I did that through trying to make myself throw up, which is crazy to think about because at the time I didn't even have the words purge. And I was a psych student. I knew all about eating disorders and all these things, but I never had a formal diagnosis and I still don't. So I'm not claiming anything, but that is definitely disordered eating, if not mm -hmm. a full-blown eating disorder. Um, and that's what I started to do. And I remember sitting there holding my stomach or grabbing my thighs or anyone who struggles in this realm, you know what I'm talking about. And it was to the point where it was kind of like that rock bottom. I can't do this anymore. This is like destroying my life kind of thing. Um, and I did get help to start to heal my relationship. And that's what I did it with. It's called the Food Freedom Masterclass with Jessie G. And she specifically focuses on this type of disordered eating. Mm -hmm. But that's my story. It did not just come from, you know, oh, I always ate balance and I eat all this produce and I do all these things. No, it was hardcore boiled broccoli with plain chicken or um, fast food in large amounts that I could never even possibly eat anymore. Mm -hmm. So sorry, that was a long tangent, but I wanted to make sure that I got it out there so that the rest of our conversation can kind of yeah, go do off from sorry. it. Yeah. yeah do not be sorry for that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I have the pleasure of watching you go through this, right? Because we kind of started our relationship at the end of that for mm -hmm. you. And um, that was kind of when like I started to come online, like doing my coaching and mm -hmm. like you were never one of my clients, but we always, you know, kept in touch, about touch base. That. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's so incredible to watch you, you know, go through that healing journey. And mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for you that you found someone who specialized in what you needed help with. Yes. Right? And when I think of, 
I really like that analogy of the bow and arrow. Um, I typically think of it like a pendulum. Mm -hmm. So like if you pull a ball to one side, it's going to swing all the way to the other side, right? Great analogy. Go back and forth from one extreme to another, one extreme to another, one extreme to another. And if you keep pulling that ball back, you're going to just keep swinging back and forth, right? Mm -hmm. You have to let go in order to settle in the middle. Yes. And that's just so hard when you're in it. It's the hardest thing to do. And believe me when I tell you when I was in that course um, and I was in that program and I was learning how to heal my body, it was so hard. And you have no idea how many times I wanted to quit. And I will tell you too, even people close to me, family members would say, are you sure you're doing the right thing? Are you sure you want to let go? Cause you may gain weight. And that's true. When you're healing your relationships, sometimes you might, I did, I gained some weight during that time. I would even say you will. You will would even go as far to say you will. And it was the best weight I ever gained. And who knows? I think I've balanced out by now. I pretty much just have kind of my groove, but I did. And it was horrifying. I was terrified. Um, and I needed one person and unluckily, um, Tim. So my partner now we've been together years now. He was the rock in that. Who cares? You are beautiful. You have to let yourself do this. Heal yourself. Like for that to come from someone who's not your best friend and um, sometimes a guy's perspective too, that was huge. But I had that and you need that. So if you're someone, I'm not, I'm not trying to make this all about healing your relationship with food, but for me and my story, I had to heal first. Mm-hmm. And then I can add in the beautiful produce and all the fun stuff that took a few years. Um, so when you hear me talk about that, know that it comes from a really deep, dark place to the point where I would imagine like even thoughts of, and this is a trigger warning for anyone. It wasn't self-harm, but it was thoughts around, oh, I just wish I could cut this skin off. And mm-hmm. anyone who struggles in that world, if you hear that, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and you need to heal, period before you can do a diet, before you can do any of those things. I don't want you to do that at all, but you know, you have to heal yourself first. So my story led into the all or nothing that, well, I have to control it. And my way to control it is this. What's a way you kind of had that all or nothing, Mag? Like, or really yours was more all like perfectionist style things. Is there another realm of your life that that kind of manifested in? Yeah, absolutely. For me, it was the, oh my gosh, you're so smart. Wow. Yeah. You know? And so for me, it was always like, I'm the smartest kid in the class. Like I'm the one who I was only felt loved. I only felt loved from people when I was, you know, when I got the 100, when I got the sticker, like my coach now Mm -hmm. is like, Maggie, you don't always have to get the sticker. Like, you know, thinking about that, like the sticker on your assignment, I can like remember myself in elementary school, like waiting to get an assignment back. And like, if it wasn't a hundred and if it didn't have a sticker, like, that was not good, you know? And so for me, that's, that's how it came out for me. Thankfully, like I, I am grateful that it didn't come out in a food and exercise kind of way. And that I was able to come into that, um, area of health for the most part with a clean slate. None of us come into it with a clean slate. Of course, of course. But like for me, it, it came up in different ways though, in really hard ways too. Yeah. So for me, it was the, you know, you're, you're so smart. Like I can remember like family members. Um, if I didn't get a hundred, if it wasn't perfect, it was like, Oh, what happened? Like, you know, mm-hmm. it was it wasn't perfect. Like what is going on, you know? And it, oh my gosh, it was very challenging because that's not often, a topic that people look at negatively. You know what I mean? It's like, if you are struggling with food, it's kind of like what you're saying, how like you were struggling so deeply and people were praising you. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing that was happening to me too, where it's like, yeah. I'm struggling so deeply. Not that I wasn't able to be that perfect, that person, because I am intelligent. I am, I do pick up on things quickly. Like I can do of pretty course. much anything I want to. I am of so course. grateful for that. But that doesn't mean that I want that to be my identity 24-7. That's how you got praised. That's how you got love. And that's how it works. And for anyone who it may not be with food or it may not be with um, your intelligence or whatever, but mine was, oh my gosh, you're so pretty and you look so great. Did you lose weight? Or I even had one person say to me, um, I was a family member who's a little older and a little more like out there, but she goes, gosh, last year you looked stunning 
stunning. You were so thin. And I was like, what are you saying now? I look horrible. Like yeah, people say things and you have to process them and hear them and all the things, but then you have to choose. Like if I was in a better place when that person said that a couple of years ago, nowadays, if someone said that to me, I'd be like, are you kidding me? please walk away from me right now. Like I'm not having this conversation with you. How dare you? You know, like you set up boundaries, the more confidence you gain. Right. And the craziest part is that I always thought I'd be most confident when I was thin, mm-hmm. when I was quote unquote thin, because that can mean different things, of course, but my idea of thin, um, and that's different for everyone. And that's not true for me. It never was, but it's how I got love. You're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. You look so great. Oh my gosh. And you seek it and you keep trying to get it when really you're good enough just as you are. And that's mm-hmm. what it comes down to is a worth um, issue, really. <laughs> that's really what it comes down to is I am good enough right here where I am. Not when someone says, you know, the first question people always ask you, what do you do? What do you do? Mm-hmm. That's the question. When someone meets you for the first time, hi, how are you? What do you do? Mm-hmm. You want to give, oh, I do this because of this and da, 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 da. And it's like, why? That's just a society thing that we've done. And it can be really damaging. Yeah, that question's very hard for me because that's always, you know, with the overachiever and always needing to be the top, the best, all of this stuff. Um, that question's very hard for me because I never feel like my answer is good enough. I mm-hmm. never feel like what I'm doing is good enough. And um, oh, you just said something in it. I've had a thought and now it's gone, but um, it'll come back to me, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Shout but, it out randomly. Just I know, it like, out oh, when you remember. This is what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, when you know, oh, this is, I remember. (laughs) Um, But it's interesting. Like you said, you felt, you thought you would be the most confident when you were thin, right? Mm -hmm. I thought and still struggle with thinking I would be the most confident when I know the answer, but that's actually not true. I feel the most confident when someone asks me a question and I say, I'm not sure, but I can look into that for Mm -hmm. you. And we should talk about this more. Mm -hmm. You know, that feels the best to me when it's like, oh, that's a really good question. I've actually never thought of that or I or I need some time learn about it together, you know, like that is what feels the best for me. And I always think I will feel the best when I know all the answers. And that's just not true. It's no. Not true. And they say too, they've interviewed some of the most, and I know this just because I've listened to a few of the interviews, they interview some of the most like quote unquote successful people, right? People who have a lot of money, have a great business, blah, blah, blah. And they say, what would make you truly happy? Well, I'd like to hit five times this in the next five years, or I'd like to hit this number or this goal or this, that. And we're always looking for something else. And I have come to a place in my life where chasing that is not going to happen. It's just not. I want big, beautiful, creative things, but I'm also going to enjoy my life right now today. I'm going to put my face in the sun today. I'm going to have a beautiful dinner later on. I'm going to light candles and relax in my home and put on a show and get some work done. And I'm going to enjoy right now because that all or nothing, if I'm always looking for the all, I'll never have it. I'll have it for a season and that'll be it because that's just not life. Yep. Yeah. And that's definitely my journey as well, where it's like, okay, I need to release this. Like everything has to be perfect. I'm Mm -hmm. always searching for the next thing. Right. And be more present with what's going on right here. Right. And that is something that like, once I, the first step is always awareness with everything, right? Mm-hmm. The first step is always awareness until you're aware that these things are going on. You can't change them and that's okay. Wherever you are is fine, you know? Yeah. Um, and I hope that you listening to this makes you, you know, aware of something that's going on in mm-hmm. your life that you could change for the better, you know, to make yeah. it less restrictive because that's what it always is. It's restriction, mm-hmm. right? And um, once I allowed myself, which I still work on every single moment of every single day to be present with what's going on and not feel like a failure for not, for it not being better. Life is better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Life is better. Maggie, I have to ask you because we have given a little bit of our backstory and a little bit of the hard times and the darkness and how we've implemented these things. But I'm curious for you, and you can ask me the same thing, because this, like we keep saying, it doesn't happen overnight. It's years in the making, and we're, we're only in our 20s. We're still going to continue to evolve, but we're, you know, on this path because we plan on giving other people a path through it. And that's why we're kind of like, quote unquote, pioneers at this age, because what we're trying to do is going to impact others, mine specifically children, and you specifically your clients and whoever else you work with in the future. So we kind of have to do these at a little bit of a faster pace um, so that we can help others. But I know you didn't do this all on your own. So who or what has helped you over the years 
to start to have this like balanced life? That's a very good question. Um, <laughs> I feel like an interviewer. <laughs> I know. Um, no, it's a really good question. For me, uh, I am the type of person who definitely, like I look for inspiration externally, like we all do, you know, but I process it alone. So for me, it's like, I see other people, even like I've had coaches for the last however many years I've been in business since 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, business coaches, business coaches who are more like life and business coaches. Um, so those people have definitely helped me a lot. And also just like looking at people who are honest about what's going on and don't Mm. just portray, oh, my life is perfect. You know, Mm -hmm. looking at those type of stories and then coming back to myself and reflecting it has definitely helped me the most, you know, I, and therapy, (laughs) therapy has helped me the most. Um, Therapy has been like the first, I can remember the first, um, kind of the first instance of me being like, kind of like waking up if you want to use that term, right? Mm -hmm. When, you know, Mm -hmm. we say like, oh, things start to click a little bit, things start to click. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I need to go process this, you know? And for me, it was, um, I actually did EMDR therapy mm-hmm. which is um I really cool something something yep. they you use this light board and you follow mm-hmm. it back and forth as you're processing traumatic fascinating events. yeah and that really really helped me after the first session I felt so much worse but then after yes. like the fifth I felt better it takes time um, and it goes up and down that's yeah. awesome I didn't know that about you actually yeah so like learning about different options and you know that is what really helped me the most. I'm definitely mm-hmm. like a, I'm a processor, you know, so I need to know the information yeah. and learn it, then go do it. And I like and you process it by yourself, which I really yeah. love that you say that because everyone's going to do it differently. So mine, I process a little more externally. Again, mm-hmm. big proponent of therapy. I've seen different therapists over the years. And also too, people always think like, oh, something horrible needs to be going on for me to go therapy. It's like, no, Mm-mm. sometimes I'll show up to a session and I'm like, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. I don't really have a ton to talk about. And then she'll be like, how's this or this? And you have no idea. Something will still come out or still run out, unravel. Um, or I work on healing little Megan or myself or now, or just therapy to me, if you find the right therapist for you, it can be so life-changing. And sometimes mm-hmm. you have to go through a couple. So I just want to say that if you can, yes. don't just try once or try one therapist. And then if you don't like it, say, eh, not for me. Also, it may take a couple sessions to get going. Like just yes. be patient with a the therapeutic process, in my opinion. That's definitely one huge proponent to my life is therapy. Also having people that honestly, this is kind of a realization that's just happened in the last year, even I would say, which is really why I love this podcast. Cause we're still processing in real time, which mm-hmm. is what you don't see the people I look up to on the internet or the influencers or different inspirational people. We're looking at them now in their thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, you know, older. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to see their dark times or hear about their dark times, except for when they reference them, but we're still going through some of them now, which is really why I love that we're doing this. Yeah. Um, But for me, it was realizing that people, even sometimes closest to me, there's some things that they would model or show that I just can't, um, doesn't mean that I don't need to associate, but I can't hear those conversations anymore. Mm -hmm. So learning what works for you and what doesn't, the talk of, oh, I got to lose 10 pounds or, oh, I've got to do this or, oh, I hate this. I have to stay away from those conversations now respectfully. Um, So kind of learning your boundaries as you go, which I'm still learning. It's a really hard thing to put boundaries in place, but it goes along with my story. You need them. Everyone needs them. Yes. Boundaries are, that's the other thing. Like when I was answering that question, kind of thinking about it after, I feel like even more than positive things to pull into my life to help me. It's cutting out, (laughs) you setting boundaries and releasing Mm -hmm. the negative things. I also am, um, this is, it's funny. Cosmos, my husband, he is the most optimistic person I have ever met ever in my whole entire life. That's so awesome. He's like, everything's going to be fine, you know? And I am not quite everything's going to be fine. Yeah, I'm yeah. not a negative Nancy, but I'm, I'm very realistic, you know? Yes. So for me, it's like, okay, I need to become aware of what is holding me back and let that go before I get to like adding in positive things. Mm-hmm. So like, that's what works for me. Some of my clients, we have to add in a bunch of stuff and then the negative stuff kind of naturally falls away, especially with food. Um, yeah. 
but everyone, it works a little bit differently for everyone. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's kind of like cut ties, cut ties, cut ties, cut ties. And then it's like, oh, I have space for all of this goodness, you know? So that's definitely how that happens for me. And sometimes it's just not even cutting ties, which sometimes you have to, don't get me wrong. Like you, sometimes you really do with people, with things, with uh, numbing out agents, um, which we could do a whole episode on that, how you kind of numb out your stuff or you can't really like listen to yourself um, or your body. Sometimes it's just putting up a little roadblock. Like, so yes. there's still people in my life who I love and I really want in my life, but they have their own issues with food and body image that I have to cut off certain things conversations really respectfully. Of course, I try and do it, um, in a really kind way, but it's a boundary for me. And I don't want to leave there or that conversation taking it with me because I know that about myself. And the other thing too, oh, I just lost it too. I just lost my thought. It'll come back. It'll come back. It'll come back. Okay. Yeah. For me with boundaries, um, another side of the perfectionism is people pleasing Mm -hmm. for me. And this is one that I am farther along with healing than the perfectionism itself, Mm -hmm. but boundaries are super huge for me in this area where I always felt like in order for me to, you know, get love and feel loved and feel appreciated and um, be even just recognized, I needed to be doing something for someone else, mm-hmm. right? So like no, no matter who it was, whatever they wanted, I did. I always had to give everyone an opportunity. I, you know, couldn't like, I could never set a boundary and be like, oh no, actually that's not for me. You know, whether it's a person, an opportunity, whatever it is, um, a, just a social situation. I could never be like, oh, actually I don't want to do that. That's not for me. Right. I had terrible like FOMO, like fear of missing out. Like I yes. just needed to say yes and do everything. Right. So yes. for me, it's setting boundaries with those types of events and just kind of, um, being aware of when that's coming up. And I feel like when we have the most power is when a situation arises and I didn't come up with this, by the way, you hear this all the time. (laughs) Um, but I feel that it's very true is when a situation arises that split second between analyzing the situation and deciding how you're going to respond is when we have the most power. Mm -hmm. Right. So for me, that is, been a huge, huge focus for me with releasing this all or nothing and the perfectionism and the people pleasing. Love that. Um, where it's like, okay, in this moment, I need to take a deep breath. Like always, this is every single decision that I make. And I'm not perfect with this, obviously, right? But yeah. this is my intention always is every time I make a decision, one, I don't need to rush it. There's always time, right? Always. I don't need to rush this decision and take a deep breath and just be aware of like what's going on before I say yes or no. Mm-hmm. And that has been the most helpful thing for me in changing those patterns. I love that. And this is going to speak to you. And if you haven't heard this yet, you're going to like freak out because when I heard it for the first time and I have some people pleasing tendencies, we all do. We all have, I I had a professor once say, we all have all the issues, all the (laughs) issues. We just vary on the levels. Yes. We all have anxiety. We all have depression. We all have, you know, eating things, but we vary on the levels. Everyone is different. So anyways, this like rocked my world when I heard someone say this for the first time. Um, and that was when someone asked you a question, why did you do that? Why did you, you know, buy that house? Why did you dye your hair? Why did you get that car? Why, why, why? The answer can just be, I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that? Or do I you, haven't, I'm but sure I've you've heard like, it more in like the, you don't need an explanation for why you're saying yes. no. <laughs> you Isn't can just that say no. crazy though? Or just, I wanted to. Why did you go to school for this? I wanted to. I really love it. Or like just anything in life, uh, people sometimes ask or demand these things from us and we forget that we have the power to say, well, I'm just not really comfortable talking about this. Or if you want a little pro tip, and this is something I have learned in school to be a school psychologist in one of my um, counseling courses, reflect, reflect, reflect. So if someone says to you, I don't know, um, why are you interested in this? Or why did you choose to do this? Um, You're really curious about my life. You're really curious about what I'm choosing to do. Just reflect back what you're saying. We're going into a different topic, but you don't need to give people an answer always. And you can take time, like Maggie's saying, like, Maggie, I love that you say that. And I can attest to it because even the other day, I think I texted you something late at night, like a thought or something. And you said to me, I don't have the energy for this right now. I'm going to get back to you tomorrow. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. 
because I don't even have that. I, I haven't done that really. I just, you know, leave it and then I try and get back to it later. But I love that you actually wrote, I can't do this right now. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Like Thank you. that's such a powerful thing that people don't realize we have the choice to do. Like my to-do list, right? When I'm like, I got to get back to all the emails and all this stuff and da, 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 da. like, I won't write that in an email, of course, but I'm going to yeah. get to this tomorrow morning or I'm going to get to this later. That can help with the all or nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whether you say it to the other person or you just say it to yourself, I typically will like say that to the other person because it just like clears it out of my brain. I love so it. Not, like the pressure is not there, but not everyone's going to need to do that. I love right. That. But you could even just like allowing yourself to, you know, release it and think about it later. Right. Mm -hmm. It, I, we can go into so many topics with this, but like a big thing for me with the perfectionism and the overachieving is like, I still plan out my calendar fairly well. Like if it's not my calendar, it doesn't happen. That's mm -hmm. just like, so that way I can free up space in my brain. Um, but it's okay if something needs to move to another day. It's okay mm -hmm. if I can't respond to your text message. It's okay. You know what I mean? Like all these things are fine. And we've been conditioned to believe that, you know, we need to do everything for everyone else. It has to be perfect. Like I have to be thinner. I have to do this, all this stuff. And it's just, it's just not the truth. It and should and shaming. And yeah. that's what it comes down to. And yeah. those are really dangerous things sometimes, especially if you know that you're a natural type a perfectionist um, person. And sometimes the best thing for that, uh, we'll have to do a whole episode on some of it, but I just wanted to give an overview today of our stories yeah. and how we've come to be. And because I don't want anyone to hear this and be like, wow, they've got like a beautiful night rhyme routine, but like, <laughs> is there anything else to them? Like, you know what I mean? That would be so, I would lose interest in a podcast right away if I thought that they were just had it all together for no good reason. And people who don't share those things, like for example, for me, and this is good that I'm putting this out there, being that I'm going to be in the next year, a certified school psychologist working in the school with students whose parents might listen to this or they might listen to it, um, it's important that, of course, I'm not getting on here and blathering all about my life and being unprofessional and whatnot, but I'm a human and right. anyone could say, well, why are you sharing that? They could hear it. Good. I hope they hear it. I hope a student, I plan on working in a high school, hopefully. Um, I hope one of my high school students, if they stumble upon this podcast, they can listen to it and say, wow, okay, she's real. It's mm -hmm. human even at a certain age or even this or that, because how many people did you look up to growing up and you thought they had no issues? So many, almost so everyone. Many. It still happens in life where, mm -hmm. you know, situations come up with people close to me and mm -hmm. I find out about it later and, or you never find out about it, you know, and it just kind of like comes up in some like backwards way. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, I feel that it's very important to share like the real human struggles that we have going on. Because if you say you you're, say you're older than me and you experience something, but I'm probably going to experience it too. Right. Especially if we're in the same family around the same people, like having, yeah, you know, sure. Same community. Yep. So if you, you have the opportunity to share that with me and you don't, I, I just, I don't know. I feel like that is just not the way to do it. Like, I don't even have any better words than that. It just feels wrong. Like, why aren't we sharing these things? So that way we can end the cycle, right? It's all mm -hmm. about ending the cycle and we can go into like generational trauma and all this stuff. Like I, um, have like really dove into that to try to like break patterns. Cause yeah. you can see it, and right? that's a whole episode back, in of itself. Yeah. If you look back in my family, everyone's the same as me. Of course. Everyone's the same as me. And it shows up in slightly different ways. You know what I mean? But like on my mom's side, on my dad's side, all of these things are the same. And it's up to me to break that cycle or mm -hmm. else it's just going to continue. And my kids are going to struggle with the exact same things as me and my parents and my grandparents. And that just seems so silly. Like why? I know. Why we have the opportunity to heal. Things yes. To heal so that way people don't have to experience that. Like it mm -hmm. just. What it is just that quote? Like common sense to me. I don't know. It's so true. And what is that quote? It's going to sum up what you just said to a T. I don't know who coined it. I'm so sorry, but whoever did, it's out there on the Pinterest world, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> we show, or I show my scars so others can know they can heal. Mm. And that for me, I'm not getting on here. I'm going to go into crazy detail and do all these crazy things. You guys are not my podcast community. Our podcast community is not our therapist, but yeah. you need to know a little bit to understand and to relate to others. That way you can know that, okay, there's hope. 
-hmm. There's ways to adjust it. And it's not all about restricting and fake it till you make it. It's about being right as you are, where you are, and just like taking a deep breath. Mm -hmm. And that you're not alone. You know, you're you're not not the first one to go through this thing. I love that. Someone else has gone through it. And yeah, you you can do it too. Like whatever it is, you know, you can do it. It sounds cliche, but it's so true. It's so true. Do you have anything you wanted to leave on on this topic? I think for me, the biggest thing when it comes to all or nothing, regardless of what area it's showing up in for you, is to just remind yourself that it's okay that you're not perfect, right? And whatever your goal is, whether it's to, you know, if it's a performance goal in the gym or if it's to, you know, not be so wound up and like, you know, the perfectionist and whatever it is, it's going to take time. Mm -hmm. And the longer we continue to believe that I need to fix it right now, the longer we're going to stay in that pattern, right? Mm -hmm. So just like, in whatever way you can trying to release that. And like, you have to remind yourself of it every single day. I have to remind myself of these things multiple times a day. Like usually like every hour, every time I'm doing any sort of task, I have to remind myself that like, it's okay if it's not done right now. It's okay if it's not perfect, you know? Yeah. Um, So just like give yourself grace and it's okay. It's, you will grow and you will get better and you will reach your goal. Just give yourself mm-hmm. time. And communicate. I'm going to leave on this. One is communicate with people who are like-minded in that way. So mm-hmm. people who you can share that with, who are going to also show you their stuff and your friends or your family, whoever you're close with um, or who you're not close with. Meet a stranger. Gosh, I've had some of the best conversations in my entire life with a stranger where we just open up and that's just me being a weirdo. And I love those conversations more than anything. That's awesome. Um, But for me, the thing that I have to remind myself is that person I'm trying to be, and this come out through therapy, of course, but the person that I was always trying to be this perfect, pretty, cute, cool, funny, all these like things and these perfect, can't mess up, get the perfect grades, get all this stuff. I had to remind myself, someone said to me once, uh, not someone, it was a therapist. Do you like that person? Do you, do you even like her? Do, Do you like this person that you're trying to create? And the answer was no. I don't like my friends to be perfect. I like when my friends are silly and they mess up and they have real stuff and we can connect. So that person I was trying so desperately to be, I didn't even like her. And that's the craziest part. Ask yourself, you know, this is you all could just take my little lesson from my year of therapy trying to figure this out. Do you like the person you're trying to create? And if you don't adjust, adjust and just chill out with who you actually are or find out who you actually are. I love this episode, Maggie. I think this is a really cool intro into getting into some deeper topics. And I say deeper only in the sense that these are the episodes that are going to mean something. These are the episodes that someone is going to hear and say, wow. Okay. Yes, I agree. I like this too. And you guys are definitely going to hear more of our stories as we go on, but yeah, know that, you know, we are not perfectly balanced. We are not perfectly. No, uh, but we try (laughs) anything. We tried for way too long to be perfect. So we released the perfectionism. Nor do we want to (laughs) be. Yeah, it's over. So we will have some really awesome episodes coming soon. We're thinking about doing some series and we're even going to do more of those listening uh, listener questions. We got some awesome feedback on the energy episode so far and it hasn't even been up long. So more to come on those topics. Let us know what you guys want to hear. I always feel like you should end a podcast with rate, review, subscribe, but it also feels weird. Yeah. But if you can. But you could do that. <laughs> but you could do that. So if you could please do that, that would be awesome. <laughs> okay, yes, guys. Would. We'll see you next time. Bye. All right. Bye.